Good morning again. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today. Whether you're joining us online or with us in person in our modern service or joining us from downstairs in our traditional service. Uh, we're one church with two different styles of worship, but one God and one message. And glad that all of you are here today to be a part of this. We are wrapping up this series called Sweet Emotion. Earlier in the year, we did a sermon series on happiness, and that was well received. And after that was over, a lot of folks came up and said, well, could you do something about our other emotions that make us feel uncomfortable, like guilt and shame and anger, things like that? So absolutely, so that's where this uh, series kind of originated. And we've been talking a lot about how in the Bible it says we're supposed to love God with all of our heart and all of our mind. Right, so our, our heart, our emotions are important. So it's important how we deal with our emotions, even the ones that are uncomfortable. And so we've talked also about how our uncomfortable emotions are kind of like a, they're like a lighthouse. They kind of shine the light on some dangerous things that might be going on in our lives. Our emotions are trying to get our attention to just warn us about something so that we can navigate that and live a life that is full in Jesus. And so we've talked a lot about how emotions are simply data. It's information. It's, it's something that our body is trying to say to us. And emotions are not directives. They cannot make us do anything, right? So emotions are data, not directives. But if you're like me, many times in my life, I have taken emotions and I have acted upon them too quickly. And I've done some things that have hurt other people in my life because I let my emotions get the better of me. And so we've talked also about how when we encounter uncomfortable emotions, it's okay to feel those emotions. But before we do anything with that, to sit with them, allow ourselves to feel those emotions, try to name that emotion, what's going on, and, and ask ourselves the question, why is my body sending this emotion to me? What, what message am I supposed to be getting from this? Right? Spend some time before we make a decision before we act on that. So that's kind of where we've been. And so let's get ready and see what the emotion is for the day. I was listening to a podcast this past week um, where a guy named Jonathan Malasik, who is a professor, was talking about his experience. And he uh, ended up finally in his life getting his dream job, and that was to be a tenured college professor. And you might imagine that took a long time for him to get there. He had to go through his undergraduate degree, had to get his doctoral degree. Then he had to be a professor that was not tenured for several years. And so he finally arrived at his dream job of being a tenured professor. And he was excited. He was happy. You know, a lot of hard work went into that and things were going well. But not too long after he became a tenured professor, he figured out that it wasn't everything that he thought it would be. And he found himself actually pretty miserable in his job. And he, he would say that he would wake up in the morning when he had a lecture to go or a class that he had to go teach, and he would wake up dreading getting out of bed. I just, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go teach this class. I don't want to give this lecture. I just don't want to get out of bed. And he gets up, he goes, does his lecture, and then a couple hours later, he's just so exhausted that he has to go back to bed and sleep for a couple of hours. Right? Just dreading the day, couldn't stand to get out of bed and go do what was his dream job. It got so bad that he, he decided to take a semester off, an unpaid leave of five months where he just went away from the college, got some time to himself and to see if he could kind of recharge his batteries. And sure enough, when he was away, he began to feel better about his life. Things are going well. And he thought, okay, I'm ready. I just needed a break. Now I'm going to go back. Things are going to be just like they were. And so he started the next semester and immediately when he set foot on campus, all that stuff returned. 
the dread of going to the classroom, just not even wanting to be with his students, feeling like he was a failure, that his students weren't learning anything, and, and he was miserable, right? He had five months of bliss, and now he's back to doing what he was doing. And his, his wife also was a college professor, and she had a job opportunity to take a, a position across the country. He said, please take it so I can quit. And so she took the job, he quit his job, moved away, and he was fine. In reflecting on that, he says now that what he thinks he was going through was the emotion of burnout. He had reached the end of his, his, his time being a college professor, and it was just weighing heavily on him. He was exhausted. He couldn't stand what he was doing. He felt like a failure. He was mad all the time, negative all the time. He was stress eating. He was stress drinking alcohol. It was not a good place for him to be. And so since then, he's written a book, The End of Burnout, because he doesn't think that he's alone in this. And we're just coming out of what people are now calling um, uh, this, this uh, mass exodus of, of jobs, right? Where people have quit their jobs in America like no other time in history, right? Just, it's just people quitting jobs like crazy, right? And, and a lot of that group are people who are trying to make better wages, uh, some of that group are, are young people who want a, a better adventure in what they're doing, right? It's called the great resignation. We're resigning or we're retiring. But many people have been in their jobs 10, 20 plus years, like their jobs making good money, but they're done with it. And he thinks, and I wonder if maybe this great resignation has something to do with burnout, that people are just done with something that they're doing. And I wonder today if you might have ever experienced or might be feeling right now burned out in an area of your life. Maybe it's what you do. Maybe it's a role that you have, being a parent or being a grandparent or being a caregiver for someone who's sick. Maybe it's being a student. Maybe it's being an athlete, just the, the constant repetitive nature of doing things, right? I think we're probably all feeling a little bit burned out from living in a nation that's so divided, right? Which, again, with the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade this week, I'm sure that half of us are thrilled and half of us are, are angry about that. But, again, it's just this divisive nature of our nation, right? And I, I'm guessing that, that, that Professor Jonathan is not the only person who feels burnout. Are you encountering that in your life right now? Have you experienced that where you're just sick and tired of doing whatever it is that you do or being whoever it is that you are? Well, let's think a little bit about burnout today and talk about, well, what does it mean to be burned out? Because Professor Jonathan thinks in his book, he writes that, that, uh, that burnout's often overused as a word. Uh, and sometimes people just aren't really burned out. They're getting the emotion mixed up with something else. So let's think about what that might mean. He even says that sometimes people say that they're burned out because it's kind of a, uh, it gives them a sense of status. I'm working so hard. I'm just so burned out, right? Pat me on the back. I'm just an overachiever, right? So what does it mean to be burned out? A couple of different definitions today. One is this, right? Burnout is an exhausted state in which we lose interest in a particular activity or in life in general. I'm so over my job. I'm so over being a caretaker. I'm so over this sport. I'm so over being a student, right? We're in ex an exhausted state, which we lose interest in a particular activity. And then burnout can lead to a diminished physical health, right? Social withdrawal. We don't want to be around the people, right? Depression or even spiritual malaise, right? It might even affect our relationship to God, right? So that's one definition of burnout. 
Here, here's another one that takes it a little bit deeper, and this comes from a woman named Christina Maslach, Dr. Maslach, right? She's one of the experts in the world on burnout, and she says there's three different parts of burnout, right? One of them is exhaustion or emotional exhaustion, and she says it's not just being tired, right? It's, it's not at the end of the day where our body needs rest. It's not that we've been working hard all day and we, we need some time to, to sleep and re- recover, it's not where you've been working on a project for two or three months and you need a couple of extra days off at the end. That's not the exhaustion that she's talking about, right? It's, it's this emotional exhaustion, um, which is deep, like Professor Jonathan, where he took five months off, five months off, and it didn't help him, right? There, there's something in his life that's just is broken. It's not going well. So it's not just that you're physically tired. It's like our, we're emotionally, he was just, he emotionally couldn't do his job anymore. When he was away from it, he was fine. Five months away, it's great. He comes back immediately. That exhaustion is still there, right? So it's, it's, it's a deeper form of exhaustion than just being tired at the end of the day, right? The second thing is, is cynicism or depersonalization. And this is just simply a negative attitude about whatever it is that you're exhausted from. Like Professor Jonathan, right? He had a short fuse and he was angry when his students would, would do just normal things. Like, for example, one of them might turn in their paper a day late. He would just blow up and say, what do you mean? You're, you're turning this in, right? And, and, and these students hate me. They're turning the papers in on, on, on late on purpose just to make my life miserable, right? He just, he's overreacting to something very small and that he shouldn't be overreacting to because his fuse is burnt, right? But it seems like the world's out to get us. And just the smallest thing that seems to go negative, we, we see a conspiracy theory in that, right? That's, a, that's kind of a, a, a trademark of burnout, right? So cynicism, everything's negative. We overreact. We have a short fuse. Everyone's out to get us, right? And then a reduced sense of effectiveness, right? Whatever we're burned out about, we just don't think we're making a difference anymore. He thought... My students are not learning from me. I'm a failure. I'm teaching, I'm teaching, I'm teaching, and they're not learning. But the reality of it was his supervisor said to Professor Jonathan, you're doing fine. Your kids are getting decent grades. They're learning stuff on their testing, right? So sometimes we think we're ineffective when really we are. So this sense of of not being effective might not even be based in reality. So any of those characteristics look familiar to you in your life? Any of those things look familiar to you in your life? So the concept of burnout is really a relatively new one in terms of studying it. There's probably been burnout forever in the history of the world, but it really wasn't started to be studied to the late 1800s. But really, the 1970s is when all the science really started going on, and there was a lot of shifts in the workplace in the world. And they think that that's part of what it was in the 1970s. They're doing this research, and then... Musicians like Bob Dylan are singing about burnout without even saying the word burnout, right? So there's just a lot of anxiety in the 1970s. And some of it they said was that workers were becoming more productive, but they weren't being paid more, right? So there's this frustration in what you're doing and what you're being compensated for. Also, there was a big shift from manufacturing jobs to jobs in the service sector, right? So a manufacturing job, you're there, nine to five, eight to five, whatever, you're doing your thing, you go home, you forget about it. But when all these jobs in the service sector opened up, people started taking their work home with them. You can't leave work at work. It follows you home, right? You're still in touch with clients, you're still in touch with customers, right? You're still getting ready, you know, for the next day of teaching, right? You just can't escape from your job, 
Then, of course, smartphones came along, and now we can't hide from anything, right? So it adds to the burnout. You're always on call. You're always working. You're all, and now we're working from home, right, with Zoom and all that kind of stuff coming out of the pandemic, probably even worse. So burnout probably has risen again, the great resignation, right? And also in the 1970s, right, people really began to feel an identity with, I am what I do. Right? What I do is who I am, and, and that's a lot of weight to carry, right? So it's nothing new under the sun. It's probably even gotten worse in the workforce since then, but just some historical perspective on that. Interestingly enough, this guy, Professor Jonathan, that his dream job was being a tenured professor, right? He looks back in his life and says the, the most happy that he was when he was working a job was between when he graduated from, from graduate school with his doctorate and starting teaching as a professor, he took a job working as a parking attendant in a parking lot. And he looks back on that and says, that's when I was the happiest ever in my working world. And uh, he looks back and he said, like, he had a really cool boss. He had really cool people that he worked with. When they weren't parking cars, they were clowning around. They were playing games. They were reading books. They were talking about reality and what the meaning of life is. And, and he said, when I went home, right, and he also said the pay was better than he thought it was. But he said, when I went home, I didn't bring work with me, right? I'm not parking cars at home. I'm not sweating that, right? And, and he said, there wasn't any pressure, right, because... Nobody growing up says, hey, mom or dad, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a parking lot attendant, right? So there's like, there's no expectation, there's no pressure. And he said, it was just, it was great, you know, and which is ironic because now he's like the poster child for burnout. He's writing books about burnout. And he's like, I forgot some of the lessons that I learned in this parking lot job, right? So this is what Professor Jonathan gives us advice to do about strategies for dealing with burnout. His burnout's from work. And again, there's, there's things, other things that we burn out from than work. But this is what he says, right? He says, society needs to make some changes, right? This is beyond you or me. This is society. He says, like, there needs to be an intellectual shift that all persons have dignity whether they're working or not. Whether you're working in the world or not, whether you're working as a doctor or a custodian or a homemaker, everyone should be given the same amount of dignity, right? He said he thinks that would help with, and that's going to be a big thing for us to figure out. Uh, he also says that all workers deserve a living wage, reasonable hours, and a predictable schedule. Right. You're not working someone to death with 80 or 100 hours a week, not knowing when, what they're going to get paid, right? what that schedule is going to be like. And again, those are bigger things than what you and I can solve, but that's a societal thing he sees. But he says, personally, right, one, make peace with your finitude. Right? Basically, you can't do everything, so give yourself a break. Right? We have these high expectations of what we can produce at work. And then he says, consider a job change. He just says, sometimes you just have to bail out. I think there's more to do with burnout than just this, and we're going to get into that. Because what if you can't change your job? Or what if your burnout is, I'm burnt out as a parent. You can't just stop being a parent. <laughs> or you're burnt out as a student, and you need to graduate from high school. You can't just stop doing that. What if your burnout's related to your sports? Or, or if you're a musician and you love music, like what, how do you stop doing that so so what other strategies are there for burnout right i want to go to the bible now right because obviously we're in a church we talk about jesus we talk about the bible and it, jesus is going to give us some really good stuff in addition to this scientific sort of approach to burnout right so let's go to the bible uh, and just see some things that we see there one the bible teaches us that working is a calling and gives us meaning and a purpose right these are different verses that, that says that right so god created us to do things to make the world a better place, and we can enjoy that, and we can feel good about what we do for God, right? But nowhere in the Bible does God command or condone working so hard that we burn out, right? We're doing 80 to 100 hours a week, right? It's important to work, right? Work's important, but it's not everything, 
What you do is important, but it's not all that's related to you. And it's good to work, but there's a limit to that, right? And so a lot of burnout is working too much. And so God doesn't condone that, right? Also, burnout results a lot of times from self-reliance rather than trusting in God, right? We get this sense that it's all on me. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to provide for my company. I've got to provide for my community, right? There's a lot of pressure on us to get the job done, but we're not God, right? We, we, we're not almighty. We're, we don't, we're not divine. We, we can't do it all. And so we got to give ourselves a break to say, I can do this much, but God, I need you to do this in my life. Right? The Bible says rely on God. Right? Trust not on your own understanding, but trust on God's understanding. So a lot of times we're burned out because we're treating ourselves like God when we're not. And we're not relying on God. Right? God says, seek me right, and, and my righteousness, and I'll take care of you. Right? I'll take care of you. Right? So that, that's one thing with burnout. Another thing is burnout re- results from a lack of self-care. Right? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? A lot of us don't eat right. We don't exercise. We, we don't rest enough. We work too hard, right? We, we don't take care of ourselves. And the Bible says, right, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We're supposed to take care of our bodies because they're vessels for the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of burnout comes from, well, I'm just, I don't have enough time to eat well. I don't have enough time to exercise. I don't have enough time. It's great because we're taking too much on ourselves, right? Also, Rest in the Bible is crucial, right? From the very beginning, God created everything, and then he took a day off. And he says to us, take at least one day off, right? We, we see that in our culture as Sunday. You're supposed to take the day off, not work today, spend time with God, spend time with family. But if you're like me, you probably got a long list of when I get out of here, I got to go do all this stuff, right? God rested, right? Let's see another passage of that. We're going to actually read some of it today. This is in Mark's gospel. This is where Jesus and his 12 disciples have been doing all kinds of ministry and healing and teaching and stuff. And then because so many people were coming and going that they, uh, the disciples did not even have a chance to eat, right? They're so busy doing God's work, they don't have time to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Burnout comes from not resting. The Son of God, God himself, needed rest. And he said to his disciples, he's like, you need to stop, right? If you're too busy to eat, you're too busy, right? Come and get some rest, right? How many of us are too busy to stop and just do basic things in our lives, right? That, that sounds encouraging to me, right? Also in the Bible, it says that we're supposed to share the load, right? Right? Don't shift burnout to others by ducking your responsibility, right? In the, in the Bible, the, the disciples, right, when the church first started, they were very busy, and they had a bunch of different tasks to do. And, and some people were like, well, you're not even feeding the hungry people. And so the disciples said to a group of people, well, you, that's your job, right? We're teaching, we're preaching, you got to feed the hungry people, right? we got to share the workload, right? And so as a church, it takes all of us to do God's work here in South Park, right? And so some of us are working very hard to bring the kingdom in, and, and some of us haven't found that role yet, right? So I just would encourage you, like, if, if you're not supporting the ministry of the church in the ways that God's calling you to do, then someone else is picking up your work and probably going to burn out, right? So we can't have the 80-20 rule where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, right? We're supposed to share the gospel, right? And so if we're not contributing to the ministry of the church, we're not contributing to the kingdom of God, then someone else in the church is carrying that and might be more prone to burnout. And it's also true at your workplace, it's also true in your family household of who's doing the chores and who's cooking, who's cleaning, things like that, who's helping with the homework, right? So 
Let's, let's read another passage of Scripture. This is in the Old Testament where Moses is leading the people of Israel, thousands of people. And his father-in-law is going to give him some really good advice, right? You don't always get great advice from your in-laws. Moses does, right? This is great, right? But he's talking about, like, Moses being a religious leader. I want you to think about this in terms of where you work or your family or your team or your classroom. It applies to all those things as well. we got to share the load with each other, right? So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. I'm just doing my job, father-in-law Jethro. Moses' father-in-law replied, well, what you're doing is not good. Right? You're working too much for God. Right? That's what he's saying. You're working too much for God. Right? Even you, Moses, have limits. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Right? The work is too heavy for you by yourself. You cannot handle it alone. So listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions, right? Do your work and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, right? So break it down. You have managers over thousands. You have managers over tens, managers over uh, hundreds, right? Share the load, Moses, have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses, you can't do it by yourself. At your workplace, you can't do it by yourself. In your household, you can't do it by yourself. On your team, in your Band, right? You can't do it by yourself. So God says, share the load. In our church, we can't do it by ourselves, right? Share the load, right? Good advice. Right? Also, burnout in the Bible, right? Our identity is in Jesus, not in our work, right? God is more interested in a relationship with us than in our work, right? Getting back to Professor Jonathan, I think to a lot of us, I think a lot of us experience burnout in what we do. Right? And we begin to see that what we do is who we are. Right? I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor. Right? That's what I do, and I can't stop doing it. That's who I am. Right? And if I have a good Sunday as a pastor, then I, I feel great as a person. If we have a bad Sunday as a pastor, then I feel terrible as a person. That's not how it's supposed to work. God says your primary identity is in me. Right? Look at this passage of Scripture in Galatians so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Right? You and I, when we have faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are the children of God. You're sons of God, daughters of God. That's your primary identity. I think so many of us encounter burnout at jobs, at sports, at music and all that because we're trying to earn the world's approval. We work so hard, we work so hard, we work so hard because we want the world to say, you're important, you matter, you, you're making a difference, you, you're good at what you do but God's saying you don't have to do anything to receive my approval because I made you special I created you in my image you were special and you don't even have to do anything right so I think what God's saying is you're more than what you do 
you are more than what you do. I want you to say, I am more than what I do. You say that with me. I am more than what I do. I am more than what I do. What you do is important, but it's not everything that you are. It's not who you are. If you're a doctor, you're more than a doctor. If you're a mom, you're more than a mom. Right? If you're a student, you're more than a student. If you're an athlete, you're more than an athlete. If you're a musician, you're more than a musician. Right? That's important. It's a part of who you are, but it's not everything. And so we got to take the pressure off of ourselves. Like that's our core identity. Right? The ultimate solution right, for burnout is refreshment in Jesus. Right? We want to stay rooted in Jesus. Listen to this. These are the words of Jesus. Let's see if this sounds appealing to you. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. How many of you walked in the door today or turned on your screen today at home feeling weary and burdened? Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Right? Take my yoke upon you. You think of like a big ox, right, that had those wooden things that would guide them, right? And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you today are weary and burdened and feeling burned out and you don't have anything left to give? Jesus says, give it to me. Give it to me. And I will give you rest. So what's the point today? What, what's the takeaway? What's the big picture here? This is what I think it is. We recover from burnout by entering God's rest. Right? If we're burned out, that, that's how we do it. God gives us that rest, gives us that identity in Christ, and helps us, right? We avoid burnout by tuning into God's direction. God, should I be spending this many hours at work? Should I be spending this many hours on the field? Should I be spending this much time in my music, right? Should I be spending all this time, right, doing household chores from the rest of the families out watching television? Probably not, right? So God, help me figure that out, right? And these are some action steps that you might consider doing because I know resting in Jesus sounds really nebulous and like that sounds great, Pastor Kyle. What do you actually do? So let's talk about what we can actually do, right? One, remember your identity is in Jesus. Right? You are more than what you do. Right? You're not just what you do. You are a child of God. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to earn acceptance or respect. And God made you special. Like, live in that, right? Rest in that. Stay rooted in your relationship to Jesus, right? Worship, pray, read the Bible, things like that. Examine your heart, right? Remove idols of self-reliance. How am I burning myself out by putting pressure on myself? I have to be the one to provide. I have to be the one to do this for my company. I have to be the one to do this for my team, right? Are we trying to play God at what we do? Are we doing our part and then trusting God to help us with the parts that we can't do? Right? Say no to people. Right? Maybe that's saying no to your boss. That's a risky thing, right? But if we're feeling burned out and they keep giving stuff to do to us, right, at some point we have to say no. And then consult God before saying yes. I have this great opportunity or I need you to do this. I need to add this to your plate, right? God, do you want me to add that to my plate? Right? And then be intentional in your self-care, right? Share the load and rest. Right? One thing you can do is you can go online and look this up, the Maslach Burnout Inventory. That's that lady that I showed you earlier, Dr. Maslach. She's like the burnout guru. 
there's a test you can take, you know, you click little buttons and stuff, and it'll tell you how burned out you are, right? With exhaustion, right? With cynicism and with feeling not effective, right? Just Google that and you can take that and you can find out which area you are most burned out in your life right now. And that would be good information to know, right? And then a few more steps, right? Watch out for people when, uh, when you set boundaries, right? If you start resisting burnout, they're going to resist because they're used to you saying yes, yes, yes. When you start saying no, 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 that they're going to resist. So be ready for that, right? Maybe consider medical support. Maybe consider seeing a counselor. Maybe consider making a change in what you're doing, right? Maybe, maybe not, right? And employers, if at all possible, help your people. Have reasonable hours. Pay them. Take care of them. And don't keep putting stuff on their plate that they can't handle. So one thing I just, I'll leave you with this, this question. I want you to think about where you're burning out right now or feeling that. I want you to ask yourself the question, like if, if it's your job, right? Who am I when I'm not a doctor? Who am I when I'm not a teacher? Who am I when I'm not an athlete, right? Whatever you're burning out in, who are you outside of that? Who am I when I'm not a parent? Who am I when I'm not a grandparent? Who am I when I'm not a student? Who am I when I'm not a caretaker for someone? If you're burning out in one role, who are you outside of that role? Because that role is important, but it's not everything to your life. And if you don't have something outside that role, that's a problem. And that might be where you need to start. Who am I when I'm not doing whatever it is that's burning me out? And I'm guessing that the answer to that question might be, I'm someone who is weary and carrying a lot of burdens. And I'm ready to give that to Jesus. I'm someone who's weary and carrying a lot of burdens. And I'm ready to give that to Jesus. Give your weariness, give your burdens to Jesus. And may you find rest in him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.